Can you imagine your life where money is your friend, working with you to achieve all your dreams and desires? If you struggle seeing money as your friend, then join Kathy Cook Noble, financial advisor and educator on understanding how your money can work for you. It is possible. Now, here is Financially Speaking with Kathy Cook Noble. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Financially Speaking on the Inspired Choices Network. I am your host, Kathy Cook Noble, and we get together every week and we talk about my favorite topic, money and finances. And what we do is we pick a topic and we say, let's break it down and have it make sense. So what does that mean? That means let's take out all the jargon and all the numbers and all the metrics and all the math that scares people. And let's just break it down to say, hey, this is what it means for you. Because I do believe, and I've always believed, that people can understand their own stuff. And that's really all you need to understand is your stuff. It's nice if you want, you know, if you like the industry and finance and you want to know a little bit more about finances and your cousin, your, you know, sister, neighbor, uncle, somebody on TV. <laughs> that's fine for interest and hobby, but, uh, for, for need, needing to know basis, you just need to know your own stuff. So that's what we do here. And in my day job, I'm a financial advisor and I'm a bookkeeper. Uh, we have a practice in finance that uh, we help people to really understand their numbers and to really understand their own stuff and their own business. And then what happens is every once in a while, something comes up where you have businesses where that need help that uh, is a little bit more intense than just finances and book basic bookkeeping. They need somebody to help them scale their business and grow it to bigger and better heights and have they have bigger visions for it and they do stuff like franchising. So we have tonight a special guest and she is a franchise expert. Her name is Marietta Snetsinger. She is the franchise queen, I think, and she has a passion to help entrepreneurs see their business expansion ambitions come to life. She has hustled on the inside of M&M Food Market and Baskin-Robbins. She is a proven catalyst for change and renewal alongside dozens of emerging franchises. So I'm super excited to have her here today. And Marietta, welcome aboard. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Can you hear me it's okay? Exciting. I can hear you great. And I'm yeah. super excited for for everybody because the audience that you have is global and yeah. the audience that we have is global. So it's just yeah. like a perfect match to me. So uh, yeah. I wanted to invite you to come and share all, uh, well, not all because it's only an hour, but <laughs> take some, <laughs> of the, some of the cool stuff out of your brain and share it with people. Right. So tell us right. a little bit about how you got started. I, I mean, I gave a tiny, tiny tidbit, but I'm going to let yeah. you take care of yeah. sharing the rest. Yeah, you know what? It's really funny. I, I, you know, as there often is, those there are times in your life when you have the, you can remember the specific moment or the thought that you had around the thing that you knew you wanted to do, and and I certainly have a very clear, vivid moment of that. And um, I can tell you, it goes way back, back in like 1993, maybe it was 1993, and I was in Nova Scotia, Canada. And I remember I was um, driving down the highway, and I was actually on a cell phone, a bag phone at that time, so way back. And I was talking to a gal who I had met at an event, and she actually worked for Tim Hortons, Tim Hortons Coffee. And that's, for those who aren't in Canada, a very popular uh, coffee concept here. And she was sharing with me that she was a marketing expert within the franchise system. And her job was to go around to the different uh, Tim Hortons locations 
and help the franchisees with their marketing efforts and uh, to, to implement their uh, marketing locally. And I thought, wow, that sounds like such a cool job. I would love to do yeah. something like that. Yeah, and then uh, lo and behold, I ended up with an opportunity to uh, move to Ontario from Nova Scotia. And uh, at that time, I was introduced to uh, this company. At that time, was known as M&M Meat Shops. And um, I had the opportunity to uh, take on a role as a field consultant. And that role is an operational role, which really you are working with the franchisees as they take the franchisor's proven marketing and operating system and roll it out and implement locally in their market. So you're basically a brand uh, a brand advisor, uh, protector, I guess, uh, of the brand, if you will, helping the franchisee implement the franchisor's marketing plan in their local market. So so I um, I ended up doing that for a number of years, and um, I just knew that's what I I love to do. I was I was actually a business coach, uh, marketing consultant, a business consultant, helping the franchisors uh, grow their business locally. That's that's awesome, and and what a combination to be honest, because that's yeah. exactly what that's exactly what you need, and so few people have that combination in business where they have to understand the business part as well as the marketing part because I always I always think in business that marketing is the I mean I know I'm a financial person but I did marketing before and uh, I think it's the be all and end all that's what really makes your your business grow so to know that is such an asset for all the businesses um so how did you come to you have your own Ascend uh corporation yourself the Ascend franchise brand yeah so so I, I started, like I said, my career in uh, franchise operational support. From there, I had the opportunity to evolve over to a role in franchise recruitment, which, again, I would also say is really unique because, like you said, it's usually, you know, you kind of tend to go down your path, right, marketing, finance, mm-hmm. uh, whatever, um, whatever vertical you end up going down. But I ended up having the opportunity to come over to recruitment. And and I think that was a really strategic move on the part of M&M at the time because they knew that as a field consultant, I knew what it took to be a successful franchisee in the system. And then I, I took that skill set and that knowledge of who our ideal franchise candidate was and apply it to our recruitment selection process. So so during a period of time, I was able to revamp our franchise recruitment selection process and, um, and you know, bring in more aligned franchisees, people who really understood what it was going to take to grow their business. And, of course, I had very strong ties to my operational support team, and I, I didn't want to let them down. I wanted to bring them the best possible uh, people to grow the brand and to, uh, to implement the plan. And, um, and it was, a, it was a, really great, uh, a really great time. And, you know, of course, when I was at M&M, Many years ago, we were really uh, on the forefront of franchisee support, and we knew what it uh, what it took and the and the incredible amount of energy and effort it takes a franchisor to support the franchisees as they do take that brand to market. And and I spent almost 15 years at Evan and Meat Shop, so it was a pretty great run. And um, wow. and then yeah, and then from there I um, actually got headhunted out and um, I got to go into uh, a more global brand, and I spent. Uh, a little over four years with a company called Duncan Brands. If you know Duncan Coffee or uh, Duncan Donuts yep. Coffee or Baskin Robbins, uh, coffee and ice cream. I mean, pretty fabulous combination. And um, 
<laughs> and I had the chance to uh, to actually learn more about franchising at an international level as part of the international uh, franchise recruitment team. And I specifically looked after development um, across Canada. So finding the right franchisees or franchise partners for our brand, especially in the Baskin Robbins end of it, uh, across Canada. But it was it was a terrific experience. And um, certainly, again, added to my uh, repertoire of uh, skill set as I then uh, left that organization in 2011 and started my own uh, consultancy. And, you know, I'm, I'm excited. It's almost 10 years that I've had the opportunity uh, under the Ascend banner to uh, to help successful businesses convert their offering, their their company or their brand to a franchise brand and to be able to offer that uh, proven operating system to others who are, you know, seeking that kind of, a, of an opportunity to be in business for themselves, but um, really not by themselves. Nice. And do you stay mostly in Canada or do you still work in the international arena? I actually do work in the international arena because of my proximity and my um, my uh, knowledge of Canada and my reputation in Canada. I typically do most of my work in Canada, but I would say that I aspire to do more work in other parts of the world, and that's part of my own uh, personal um, uh, mission is to, you know, be able to share this knowledge because the beautiful thing about franchising is it's really a business model. And, of course, there are legal um, criteria around it, but actually the model itself is very transferable between countries, different parts of the world. And, you know, um, we um, we actually uh, are able to, um, um, you know, use this model around the world and then, of course, have it um, come together with the, um, you know, pull it together with the legal side of it, which may differ from country to country, province to province, or state to state. But the actual model itself is. It's fairly transferable right. between countries. Cool. cool. Now, have you come across people, and we'll talk about um, what you think and what you would recommend for best practices of franchising and how to get sure. ready to scale and all that stuff, but I want to ask you, have you ever had somebody that you've dealt with where you just don't see it as a franchising potential, or is all business a potential to franchise? Yeah, I I think there are some criteria that you would want to think about. So would would you would you say the question is how would I know if my business is franchisable? Would that be kind of yeah where you're going? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's funny. I just wrote an article about this uh, last week for uh, the Canadian Franchise Association the magazine. Will be coming out in uh, uh, the March April edition. But um, really, there are a number of um, of different areas that you want to kind of look at your business or think about your your business and evaluate your business in this way. And and um, typically, you're looking at um, thinking about first of all. Do you have a profitable track record? You know, write down the money track. Let's let's get started. It has to be profitable. There's no point in duplicating or franchising a business that is not already profitable. And I probably would even go so far as to say highly profitable because when you roll this business out as a franchise, of course, the franchisee needs to be compensated for their time, energy, and efforts. As well, they're going to share a portion of their profit with the franchisor. So it has to be a profitable business model with a proven track record. 
So if you just started your business last year, I'm probably not going to recommend that you start franchising yet. You don't have enough of a track record. And if you're uh, probably operating it for, you know, five to seven years, uh, maybe even uh, being able to duplicate it yourself, that would give you a pretty solid financial um, background and understanding of what the business um, can produce, how it performs in different economic times. And you, you, you really do want to know what that looks like because that's going to be able to dictate how you're going to be able to do in the future or perhaps in other parts of the country or maybe even in the world as far as um, how you perform uh, financially. So that would be the first thing. Make sure you have a profitable, a profitable business to start with. Franchising will yeah. not make your business profitable. <laughs> no. Um, second, you know, that's right. That's a great point. Sorry, I didn't want to say that's a good point because I see a lot of businesses myself on the bookkeeping side and they have to be profitable and they start expanding. I know it's not the same as franchising, but I think they think they're going down that road, right? And then you're just, they're overwhelmed because they they didn't meet that first plateau of being being highly profitable before they started it. Before you become, yeah, don't duplicate your mistakes because now you're just going to duplicate your losses. We want to duplicate yeah. profit, right? So exactly. Yeah, so <laughs> that's huge. So yeah, and honestly, it's like that's the number one thing. If your business is not performing financially right now, uh, you need to get that figured out. You need to make the tweaks. You need to rejig whatever it is you need to do to create um, the the um, the profitable um, track track record. That's what you need to do before you can ever start. Uh, moving forward to duplicating it as a franchise brand. So uh, so that's the first one. The second one is that you really have a lot of clarity around your marketing and your branding and that you have been able to identify who your ideal client is and you have a way of reaching that ideal client. You've actually, you know, like I said, the marketing, the branding, that's in place and that part of the business can also be duplicated, whether I'm here or in another part of the country, the way that we attract customers, that can be duplicated into a new market. So, you know, I'll use, I'll use the one, the M&M example. Um, one of the ways that um, our franchisees in that system would attract new customers is they would get really involved in the community. So when you've got a recipe of what that looks like, maybe they would do community barbecues. That's something that they did a lot. Um, or outside of their store, they would they would do a, maybe a charity barbecue on the weekend to you know again foster a relationship with the community, give back to the community. So so they really knew that they knew what it took to connect with the community, and they had a real proven recipe to be able to connect to a local community. And you know it was the same. We were able to duplicate that in different markets across the country, and it, you know it really worked well for that brand. Yeah, so I you've do got to handle that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so the, we're we're up to our first break, Marietta. Before I, okay. um, yeah, it just I know it goes so fast, eh? And it's okay, such it a great conversation. Like, there's so many people yeah. out there that truly don't understand what franchising means, or they're thinking that's what they want to do and have no idea how to go about doing it. So, I'm so yeah. excited that you're on the show and and um, sharing all this knowledge because it's really, really helpful and, and important for people to understand it. We're going to take okay. our first break of the night, and then uh, we're keeping Marietta all night. So anybody that has questions or if you're thinking of questions out there, write them down because I'm going to share with you how to get a hold of her, and she will be uh, available for you to, to get a hold of and talk to you about your, your business. So 
Stay stay there. We're going to take our first break. You're listening to Financially Speaking with myself, Kathy Cook-Noble, on the Inspired Choices Network. And when we return, we're going to continue to learn more and more from the queen of franchising, Marietta Snetsinger. We'll be right back. Too many of us get caught up in the unreal lives of reality television and complete to acquire stuff, which is setting us up to accumulate lots of debt. We're scared, confused, and don't know who to talk to. By tuning into Financially Speaking Radio Show with financial advisor and educator Kathy Cook-Noble, you'll learn tips you can use to improve your financial health, which in turn can improve your overall health and make for a very happy life. Live a life you can afford and enjoy. It is possible. Listen for Financially Speaking Radio Show every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 3 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Mountain, and 1 p.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email become a host at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. This is Financially Speaking Radio Show with financial advisor and educator Kathy Cook Noble. To participate in the program, call in the U.S. 815 880 8255. Canada 613-800-8736 or Skype us at Inspired Choices Network. You can also make the choice to ask or comment by email by sending to Kathy at bookkeepplus.ca. Now back to the program. Welcome back everyone. I'm Kathy Cook Noble and you are listening to Financially Speaking on the Inspired Choices Network. And this is the network where we try, I shouldn't say try, we don't try, we do. We provide all the tools that you need to help with your life to make better and more exciting decisions and be more comfortable with what you're doing. And there's all kinds of different shows that are available here that I encourage you to listen to. If you need help with your kids, tune into the um, our parent expert. If you need help with finances, that's that's where I like to hang out. So tonight we are really quite fortunate, though. We have an international expert that's here to talk to us about franchising. And before we went to break, she was just sharing with us some of the the key points on the criteria for determining whether your business is uh, franchisable. Is that a word? Is that a word, Marietta? Franchisable? It is now. <laughs> okay. Use I'll use it. it. Every day, so, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. We're going to yeah. use it. So, there's more. There's more criteria. Yeah. Um, share. We've only got through the first two. There's a couple more I know about. Yeah. So um, yeah. please, please share with us. Okay. So the first one just to review is a profitable track record. The second is uh, the marketing and branding at the local level. You've got that figured out. The third one is really quite simple. It's client acquisition. You have a proven way of attracting, retaining, 
and acquiring clients or customers to your business. You've got that figured out. It may even be proprietary to your brand. It might be something that you do uniquely and differently than other competitors, but you've got that client acquisition. And often it is tied into your marketing, but I'm thinking about more of how someone comes in to do business with you and how you retain them and get them to come back and do more business with you. So the fourth one is really uh, around um, delivery of products and services as well, that you have, um, you're the subject matter expert in your particular uh, area or product or service, and you're a little bit ahead of the curve uh, when it comes to kind of anticipating what the needs of your customers may be, and um, you're, you're quickly able to assess and, and um have available the products and services that your customers are going to need or want. And um, and you probably do that faster and more efficiently than maybe, you know, a local uh, mom-and-pop type brand as a franchise system. You're able to do that, um, and you would be able to continue to be able to do that more efficiently than uh, maybe another business. So so what, I, what do I mean by that? Well, first of all, I'm going to say you also are able to maintain relevancy and I and I think the best example around that is maybe Blockbuster. You know, that's a, and if you remember Blockbuster, they were very big in probably the eighties and yep. even the nineties. Um it's where we all went to get our videos and eat popcorn or whatever. Uh our DVD or not D V D well I guess maybe they were even the eight at that time. I can't even remember now. But you know, the brand is no more and it, it's simply because they were unable to um rejig themselves in such a way that they maintain their relevancy. So as a subject matter expert in your brand of um, delivery of products and services, you maintain relevancy of those services and you're able to adjust to the needs of the of the market. And finally, the fifth one is really there is market demand and that there's not a saturation point of your products and or services. And what you offer is something that is unique and different and again, you know, back to the 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 um, the um, being proprietary, there is something about maybe your products are different that, that differentiates it from maybe if it's pizza, there's a way that you've been able to formulate your dough or your the way you pull it together, you know, whatever it is, it's a little bit unique and different, and there's actually a demand for it. Another example might be to kind of look at um, the demographics of your particular community, or in in Canada, you know, we're seeing definitely. Um, a demand uh, for um, senior services, more, you know, as our population ages. So, so obviously, franchising in that area has also been um, in, incredibly more popular in the last few years, maybe even the last ten years. But having um, having a demand for your products and services that um, you know meets that of the um, of the times. And of course, um, finally, cool. if you are thinking of the yeah, if you are thinking about. Um, franchising, you want to also uh, take into consideration that you are probably going to need some resources and some help as you do it. What got you to the level in your business where you are today is probably not uh, what you're going to be uh, needing in the future. And I kind of say new level, new devil. So whatever it is, you know, you're going to probably find there may be different challenges, new challenges, and you may need some additional supports that you didn't have or need maybe in a, in a prior incarnation of your business. So, so you know, there's definitely an investment piece of this that um, as, a, as a business owner, you probably are going to need to invest in your business in order to scale the business and get it to that next level. And just kind of on a side with that, yeah. Yeah. So, so when they need the extra support, at what point do you come in and at what point do you leave them? 
yeah, well, you know what, that varies by the client and, and, and what kind of a team that they have. You know, oftentimes, um, you know, they'll continue to build their team as they grow their brand. But, but early on, most, most businesses that begin franchising typically start with a pretty lean team. It's not like they have the ability to kind of go and hire, uh, you know, like I was a, um, a field consultant in, um, in when I was with M&M. When you're first starting out, you're probably, as the, as the um, franchisor, you're probably doing a little bit of everything. And you might outsource a parent, maybe you outsource some of your marketing support, maybe you even outsource some of your franchisee support. So, so early on, you're probably kind of bringing it all together. But, but um, what's really helpful when you're the, when you're the, um, the business owner or the founder of the franchise, you probably need someone to kind of quarterback the whole team. And, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And, and that is actually a role I play with my clients most of the time is as kind of like the quarterback, kind of bringing the team together. It does definitely take a village to um, to pull all of the team together and be able to kind of plan um, the strategy to take the business to market and evaluate where the business is today, what needs to be done, and then what are the next steps to, to get there. So, yeah. Okay. That so, um, that makes total sense, yeah. So in your estimation, then, what would make the optimum franchise? I know the criteria that you've gone through, and then, but yep. is there something where you go in and you're like, okay, that's how I define it. This is some place that would be a good fit mm-hmm. for me because they've got all these, the criteria in line, but then there's got to, you know, is there other things that you look at and say, okay, this is a franchise? Yeah, and maybe maybe probably it would be helpful if I were to kind of even take you through what I kind of call the spokes on the wheel of a franchise, what it looks like, what the franchise oh, is. It's, it's real. Yeah. It's really about roles and responsibilities and, and really having a clear understanding of who does what, when, where, and why. So, so maybe I'll take you through my, what I call the wheel, the franchise wheel. Um, the franchisor has actually kind of creates what I call this wheel and, and on the wheel, there are spokes. If you think of a bicycle tire, for example, so one of the folks though, with the franchise being in the middle is the proven operating system. The franchisor has a business strategy using a proven operating system. Another spoke of the wheel would really be uh, around the franchisor dominating the market, creating a brand that, you know, when people think of coffee, there's a brand that they think of, and that's your brand. Now, you know, sometimes that obviously that would take time, and that's a more mature franchise brand. But really, that's, that's the goal, to be where you are dominating the market by the number of units that you have where, you know, people think of you top of mind. Uh, another spoke would be around uh, revenue sharing in that as a franchisor, uh, you are providing your proven operating system uh, to the franchisee who in then turn in turn uh, will implement locally and, of course, make sales a percent of their sales will be remitted back to the franchisor for having access to that ongoing operating system. So, so it's, a, it's, a, it's a revenue sharing model. It's also around marketing and distributing of the products and the services. So in some cases, it might be proprietary access to the franchisor's product. Um, maybe it's a specially formulated recipe for, you know, or even a way of doing business, but it's really access to their product. And in some cases, they're, they're a complete distribution system so that you can have the products that you're reselling to the marketplace to deliver to your unit. And then, of course, you would, again, m and a great example of that. We had a, we had a, a warehouse. We would have private labeled product, M&M brand. And then, of course, they would be distributed to the stores who would in turn sell them to their customers. So a, a solid market and distribution system. 
It might also be products and or sorry services as well, and the proprietary part of you know making sure that those services are relevant and make sense to the customers. But I think that the final focus that, that I um, think is mo of most importance is really between the franchisee and the franchisor. It's a strategic partnership, which is focused on getting and keeping customers, more and more customers consuming more and more products and services. And really, when a franchisee and a franchisor are both aligned in that way and focused on uh, really executing the brand in that way, what are we both doing to get and keep customers? It's really all about working together. And the, the goal is how are we best serving our customers? How are we remaining customer-centric so that we can uh, continue to attract and retain our customers? And that's kind of what I call the wheel of franchising. And I think as a franchisor, as creating the wheel and all of the spokes, and as a franchisee, if you think you want to come in and add more spokes, that's probably not going to bode well. Um, you've actually paid really good money to be uh, having access to the franchisor's uh, proven operating system. And as a franchisee, it's really your job to take the wheel and roll it out into your own market. So, again, you know, the wheel works really well. You know, you're rolling it out, you're implementing locally, and you're using the franchisor's uh, intellectual property to do that. Excellent. There are there are so many questions I have for you. We're up to our second break for the night. And when we come back, I got I want to ask you: um, Is there one industry that is easier to franchise? Do you have a Do you have one industry that you prefer, or is kind of a favorite for you? Um, you know, how big is too big? How big can a franchise or get? Like, how many franchises can they have? Um, and then different models of franchising because they're not all the same. Where I become a franchisee of a, an M&M's or a McDonald's and I just pay a portion of it. They've got different kinds of models. Like there's so many things about franchising that I want to ask you. So we'll take our next break no and then we'll come back and we'll just keep picking your brain because it's just such a cool topic. I love it. Uh, so everyone stay tuned. You are listening to Financially Speaking with myself, Kathy Cook-Noble on the Inspired Choices Network. This is Financially Speaking and we have Marietta Snetzinger all night. We'll be right back. Too many of us get caught up in the unreal lives of reality television and complete to acquire stuff which is setting us up to accumulate lots of debt. We're scared, confused, and don't know who to talk to. By tuning into Financially Speaking Radio Show with financial advisor and educator Kathy Cook-Noble, you'll learn tips you can use to improve your financial health, which in turn can improve your overall health and make for a very happy life. Live a life you can afford and enjoy. It is possible. Listen for Financially Speaking Radio Show every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 3 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Mountain, and 1 p.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Money is complicated, right? Actually, no, it's not. You don't have to be a trader on Wall Street to get a handle on your money. TV shows often instill fear to keep you believing you can't understand it or do anything yourself. If dealing with your finances brings up a lot of other F-words, then you need to read All Ladies Should Use the F-Word, A Guide to Loving Your Finances by Kathy Cook-Noble. Kathy helps you take control of your finances and leave the other F-word, fear, in the dust.
This is Financially Speaking Radio Show with financial advisor and educator Kathy Cook Noble. To participate in the program, call in the U.S. 815-880-8255, Canada 613-800-8736, or Skype us at Inspired Choices Network. You can also make the choice to ask or comment by email by sending to kathy at bookkeepplus.ca. Now back to the program. Welcome back, everyone. I am Kathy Cook-Noble on Financially Speaking on the Inspired Choices Network. And today we're talking about franchising. And we have one of the international experts, Marietta Snetsinger, with us. And she's been an expert in franchising for many years. And we have been asking her questions. She's been sharing some really great user-friendly. This is what I love about Financially Speaking. We take the the whole topic that people uh maybe scared of or don't understand or are interested in but don't know where to go and we break it down into very manageable user-friendly language and Marietta does it just beautifully because she knows her stuff so well and before we went to break I just you know threw out a whole whack of questions because I'm thinking the whole time that I stuff I want to know and I'm thinking maybe other people want to know it too so so Marietta share with us you know what you think how big can a franchise get like what's the ideal way to grow it, what are the different kinds of franchises, um, you know, all the things about franchising that people might think, like when, I know you said they should be highly profitable before they start considering it, what if, when when would you not franchise, like somebody like Apple isn't franchising, but should they or could they, or or how do you look at it, what's the best industry, what's your favorite industry to work in, you know, all that stuff. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? It's, it's an. Everyone always thinks Starbucks is franchise, but they're not. They have a few licensing agreements, but but they're not a franchise. And and franchise is really about levels of control. And a franchisor can decide at what at how much control they want to retain. And of course, that varies. You know what the relationship would look like with their franchisees. So you know some. And also, obviously, there's a correlation to the fee structure as well. You know, the higher the level of um, support that you would have. With the franchisor, you know, the higher the level of fees, right? More support, more cost, right? Um, and it just depends, right. you know. Everybody has their, you know. I, I kind of think, you know, the franchisor decides. You know, a lesser level of of um, control is really uh, around, um, you know, license model where you're really just licensing the intellectual property, and um, in a franchise system, you're really getting the full whole enchilada, if you will. Like the way to market it, the way that you know you're you're, you're and there's more con- a higher level of control. So so it depends on the entrepreneur and 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 what I would probably say is it depends on you as a business person. You know, becoming a franchisor is probably one of the biggest uh, decisions you'd ever make as a business owner. It changes your role forever uh, as far as how you operate in your business. Now you are no longer actually in the business doing the business, doing the thing, now you are overseeing and supporting a whole network of people who are doing the thing. And your your role becomes more of a mentor, coach, and overseeing, you know, and, you know, hopefully predicting well what the future is of that brand and being, you know, the, the subject matter expert of that particular uh, product, service, what have you. And it's a very different role than when you're kind of in the business doing the thing. So I don't know if you've, um, and I'm sure some of your listeners have actually read The E-Myth Revisited by uh, Michael E. Gerber, but but it really is, it tells <clears throat> a bit of a fable around the entrepreneurial myth. 
and the difference between, you know, being in the business, working in the business, and working on the business. As a franchisor, you're working on the business. So, so a lot of it actually comes down to the personality and the leadership skill set and the desires of the, of the owner of the company. What do you want to do? What does that look like for you? So what, <clears throat> can I ask you then, if, if you're working on a succession plan, and I know business owners, especially the founders, have a hard time planning and, and figuring out how they're going to turn this over either to the next generation or what they're going to do. Is, would franchising fit into a succession plan as a, as an approach to how they're going to deal with their, their business for the future? It, it could be, but I would say it's probably more of a long-term exit strategy uh, versus a succession okay. plan. Now, okay. on the success. Yeah, okay. on the succession plan side of it, I would say you're probably more looking at, you know, the best practices of franchising where you're documenting your system and your process uh, around your business. And, you know, I, I was saying to you um, earlier um, before we uh, got online that, um, you know, I was at the franchise show this weekend. And, of course, yeah. I met lots of folks who are in Toronto who are, you know, thinking of franchising their business. And, you know, it's, it's, they're, they're, they're very early to the game and just kind of thinking. And, and I don't believe it is ever too early to get started about thinking whether or not you're going to do it. You know, it can kind of be one of those begin with the end in mind and what do I need to do? And the sooner I get started, the less, you know, mistakes I'll have to kind of go back and fix if, if that were the case, right? So, and it, it never hurts to, I'm a big believer in adding system process to your business and documenting it. So whether you ever franchise your business or not, just by looking at your business in that way, you add value to your business. It might be a point of difference if you were, you know, say you have a, a successful business, maybe it's a successful restaurant and you want to sell it and someone wants to come in and buy it. And, you know, um, the, the likelihood of that second purchaser being successful declines dramatically because, you know, lots of times it's the little things that the, that the prior owner did that they forget to kind of, and it's not probably intentional, but what they forget to share with the new owner. And that's what made that business right. so successful. So, um, you know, if you're thinking of um, exiting your business and you're, you know, you, if you document it, that the person who is looking at your business as a purchaser might see a lot of inherent value if you've actually documented how you do things, how we do things around here, I guess, is what what I would um, would call that, and um, that can add a lot of value to your business, especially if you're yeah. if you're looking at um, your exit strategy down the road. So, would you say yeah, that there's one particular industry that's better or easier to franchise than another, or no? Well, you know what, we see a lot of food concepts franchise. I mean, yeah, you know, fifty percent of franchises typically end up in the food space. But, you know, more and more we're seeing yeah. uh, opportunities, especially with technology, to um, to actually, and, you know, the busier we become, you know, we tend to outsource more of our, um, you know, even household tasks and chores, which, again, in and of itself ends up being a whole new, you know, level of, you know, home support, if you will, or services to support you in your in your home, whether it's, you know, snow removal, lawn care, help cleaning, what have you. And then there's a whole, so there's a whole service industry around that as well, and, and that's typically can be quite highly franchised too. So, you know, again, it's around um, having a proprietary way of doing things and, you know, there's a trust element that, you know, maybe you'd rather um, deal with a company that you, again, have a, a feeling of trust 
um, and and know you know what what they've done to train their team and you know there's a system to it right and it it allows you to build trust in the brand and you're more inclined to have them maybe come into your home and clean it for example versus you know again a smaller a smaller entity it just depends right like you know what what what's important to you as um as a purchaser of the products and services some people are more comfortable with that so yeah, does, yeah. and you asked me another yeah, question for sure. kind of maybe <clears throat> Um, maybe go back to, and that's how big can a franchise get? And I would say, you know, that's yeah. infinite. Okay. Because, um, sorry, I'm just muting this. <laughs> I think I hit the live. Um, so what I would say is, you know, there are different ways to do it. And uh, one of the things that, you know, as a franchisor, say, you say you're in Canada, and a lot of our Canadian franchisors have great aspirations to go to maybe another part of the country or another part of the world. And oftentimes that's done through a master franchise uh, relationship where they actually sell the rights to um, someone who duplicates them as a franchisor, if that makes sense. Or maybe it's in another part of the country, they become, they duplicate themselves as a franchisor. Or maybe they have a development agreement that someone actually is responsible for growing the brand. In a, so, so, for example, say your brand was... Um, based here in uh, where we are in Ontario, and you wanted to go to Vancouver. Well, you would be probably more inclined to have uh, someone become your franchisee there first with an opportunity or an option to become your area developer, where now they are going to be responsible for finding other franchisees in a particular area. Maybe they would support them. Maybe they wouldn't. Again, it might vary based on the brand. And um, and that's a, a way to grow your business. Or maybe it's a countrywide license or a state what, or, you know, another part of the world. Say someone wants to take your brand to Australia, they would buy the rights and they would um, be the master franchisor in that particular part of the world. So, so to answer your question, really it can be as big as you want. Oh, wow. So we got a great question in the chat room, too. Is there such a thing as the kiss of death for a franchise? Yeah, I would totally say there's that, a kiss of death. A couple of them, actually. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah the okay. first one is, and, and every every franchisor will do it if they haven't already done it, and that's really um, settling for the wrong, you know, knowing that they are probably not awarding to the right franchisee, but thinking, oh, I think I can live with it. We really need to get that unit open. We really want to, you know, wow. we want to add that extra unit to our system, and they settle for a franchisee. And they knew when they did it, they knew there were signs, there were warning signs, and just kind of ignoring those signs. And, you know, that can be a real kiss of death, especially in a small franchise system, because that franchisee could be very poisonous to the rest of the to the organization. And, you know, that can really, it can really fester. And it can also be a real time killer for the franchise or energy vampire, if you will. Um, you know, you spend an inordinate amount of time managing the poor performing franchisees. So um, that would be the, the first the first kiss of death, I would say. I think the second one is really uh, not understanding the roles and responsibilities and, and not managing those uh, properly with the franchisees and, and um, not understanding who's going to do what, communicating uh, and managing the expectations of the franchisees. Someone gets into your franchise system and really didn't know what they were getting into. So those would be, those would be a couple of what I would say are um, classified as uh, the kiss of death <laughs> for a franchise. So, um, Marietta, would you also say that, I mean, obviously there's some big challenges that some franchise systems face. Would 
would that tie into what you were just talking about with the with the kiss of death too? Like, what are, what would be some of the biggest challenges that they face? So um, the two biggest challenges, and, and essentially, when I end up getting a call from a from a franchisor, there are two things going wrong, and I and I'm just noticing we're coming up to break, and I feel like that might be a great place. I don't know what do yeah. you think. Should we kind of come back? Yeah, let's. After, yeah, yeah. After the rake. Well, I was gonna. Because <laughs> it's kind of a cool. That's what I was thinking. I'm gonna. Let's. I was thinking we'll take the break and then we'll come back and then I'll let you uh, share that last <laughs> piece of information. And then I also want to make sure we get in on how people get a hold of you. And I want to talk about real quick yeah. your upcoming book. And I know you write articles for the association. So everybody, yep. just stay right where you are because we're going to take our last break. You're listening to Financially Speaking on the Inspired Choices Network with your with your your host, that's me, Kathy Cook-Noble. And when we come back, we're going to talk to Marietta just about the last little tidbits that we can squeeze in on about the franchising system. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Too many of us get caught up in the unreal lives of reality television and complete to acquire stuff, which is setting us up to accumulate lots of debt. We're scared, confused, and don't know who to talk to. By tuning into Financially Speaking Radio Show with financial advisor and educator Kathy Cook-Noble, you'll learn tips you can use to improve your financial health, which in turn can improve your overall health and make for a very happy life. Live a life you can afford and enjoy. It is possible. Listen for Financially Speaking Radio Show every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 3 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Mountain, and 1 p.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Money is complicated, right? Actually, no, it's not. You don't have to be a trader on Wall Street to get a handle on your money. TV shows often instill fear to keep you believing you can't understand it or do anything yourself. If dealing with your finances brings up a lot of other F-words, then you need to read All Ladies Should Use the F-Word, A Guide to Loving Your Finances by Kathy Cook-Noble. Kathy helps you take control of your finances and leave the other F-word, fear, in the dust. This is Financially Speaking Radio Show with financial advisor and educator Kathy Cook-Noble. To participate in the program, call in the U.S. 815-880-8255, Canada 613-800-8736, or Skype us at Inspired Choices Network. You can also make the choice to ask or comment by email by sending to kathy at bookkeepplus.ca. Now back to the program. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Kathy Cook-Noble on the Inspired Choices Network. You're listening to Financially Speaking with our special guest, Marietta Snetzinger, today and talking all things franchise. Before we went to the break, we were just uh, wrapping up and uh, making sure you came back to get the answer to our question. So, Marietta, I'm going to turn it right over to you to carry on and tell us about the, the challenges in that. So the two, the cliffhanger, <laughs> the two major challenges. The cliffhanger, that, um, that's right. Franchisors, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that franchisors face are, first of all, uh, managing the ongoing relationships between themselves and their franchisees. And it's because they really uh, didn't probably take the time or continue to take the time 
to evaluate, monitor, and adjust what the relationship between the franchisee and the franchisor looks like, really knowing their roles and responsibilities and making sure that the expectations of the franchisees around who does what, when, where, why, and how are really clearly defined. Everybody knows what their responsibility and part of their relationship is, and and everyone um, acts accordingly. So, so that would be the first one. Whose whose job is it to actually market locally, and who's responsible for that? Because you know it's very easy when a franchisee is not doing well to blame the franchisor, or you know, and, and typically it, it ends up being that it is you know it's improper it's improper um, execution of the brand promise and the marketing and the activity at the local level, and the franchisee becomes or is unengaged and, and struggles and, of course, then blames the franchisor. So so you can see where that problem, problem really goes. So managing the relationship between the franchisee and the franchisors and expectations. And, of course, the second one, and, you know, just right back to I was at a franchise show on the weekend, it's really all about attracting and retaining the right franchisees, finding the right people to invite to join your team as a franchisor, taking them through a proper evaluation and decision-making process so that they understand exactly what they are getting into. And it's your job as a franchisor to provide them with that information so that they can make an informed business decision. And, of course, it's their job as a franchise candidate to do their own due diligence, do their research, to do the business plan, and make sure that they are making a valid business decision to um, to join your brand. And one of the ways that most um, franchisees um, will do that is by speaking to your existing network of franchisees. So, so if I go back to my first, the first problem, if you fix problem one, managing the relationship, and you've got really great relationships between you and your franchisees, there's a pretty good chance that when someone, a candidate, goes to talk to them, they're going to get a really great story and they can't wait to join. So, you know, you can kind of solve both of those problems, but it's going to take some doing. It's going to take some work on behalf of the franchisor to make sure that those things are in alignment and that you are in, indeed managing that relationship um, in the long term between the franchisee and the franchisor. <clears throat> Which, you know, it's funny. It makes total sense when you say it. But it's it's such a common thing that, that people do wrong, so it's yeah. it's funny, eh? Um, but how do people get a hold of you? And I know because you've been we've a got a few people and I know, yeah. yeah, I have a couple times, a couple different ones, yeah. Um, <laughs> I stayed away from food. I've mostly been an automotive, but <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you do. I know for those. Of for those of you that are out there, Marietta is working on her book. We want to know when it's going to be released. She writes articles currently for the association. She's available. She does professional speaking around at different functions and uh, is available for speaking. So how do they get a hold of you? And then tell us about your book. Yeah, okay. So you can find me at ascendfranchise.com. You can email me, Marietta, M-A-R-I-E-T-T-A, at Ascend franchise.com. If you want to call me, you can 519-212-0309. And happy to set up a time for us to have a conversation. Um, I typically do these by Zoom because I really believe in kind of being eyeball to eyeball. So if you're familiar with the Zoom technology, uh, we would uh, book a time together and uh, learn a little bit about you and your business. And of course, if I can help you. And if I can't help you, perhaps I can 
uh, refer you to someone who can and, and just share a little bit about um, the programs that um, the book um, the book is um, the franchise our blueprint experience and it's really about understanding what it takes to uh, grow a happy profitable and sustainable franchise system so that's the current working title you have to coming out my goal would be um, yep. in the next couple of months, I'm working on final edits now, and, and you know as well, writing a book yourself, that it, it takes some time to get <laughs> it from your head to the paper. It's been a, it's been a process. It does, a little bit. I feel like there's just so much. Yeah, yeah, it takes some time. So, yeah, I'm hoping in the first quarter of this year that I would um, have that uh, ready and available as a resource for someone who's really thinking about uh whether or not they should franchise or they're already in the process of franchising, uh, I believe it'll be um, a great resource as you go down that path. Excellent. And are there any speaking engagements lined up currently that people would know they could come out and see you or hear you speak at? Or um, I know you mentioned your one article that you just submitted. So maybe you could tell us, I think you, you might yeah. have said that it's coming out in April. Okay. Yeah, that will be in the Franchise Canada magazine. And um, I do have a few things lined up. Most uh, notably, the next one is I'm at the uh, Canadian Franchise Association uh, annual uh, convention in Montreal. And um, that's happening, I believe, on the April uh, 7th and 8th. And um, that is where the franchise uh, franchisors in Canada come together to share best practices. And I'm going to be uh, speaking about engaging and attracting the right franchise candidates. Remember I said the two biggest problems are challenges and of course yeah. you know, our own uh convention here in Canada, that's that's a real there's a real um demand and a need for knowledge and information around building those relationships. So I'll be speaking about that at the uh, convention uh in April in Montreal. That's awesome. Marianne, I'm so happy and so excited that we got you on the air. Uh thank you so much for joining us. For anybody that's out there thinking about in business, if they're thinking about franchising, look Marietta up. She's not scary. You can tell from her time with us. She's very great to talk to. She's full of information, and she will give you an honest evaluation. So stay tuned next week for Financially Speaking, and we're going to be talking once again about a financial topic that people are sometimes a little bit scared of. It's beginning to look a lot like taxes. We'll see you then. Thank you for choosing to listen to Financially Speaking Radio Show. Kathy Cook Noble will return next Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 3 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Mountain, and 1 p.m. Pacific on InspireChoicesNetwork.com. We hope you'll join us. Until then, have the best week of your life by making...